This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Dr. Stephen Mercer. I'm a college counselor in private practice as an independent educational consultant, and I'm a longtime instructor in the College Counseling Certificate Program at UC San Diego Extension. And I'm back today with a real special guest to help us continue to think about all of the changes, um, both the pros and the cons of what's happening in the world of college admission right now, um, but this time specifically around standardized testing, SAT, ACT, all those related tests. That's an area where there's been a remarkable number of changes and a lot of questions that are still unanswered. So I'm really excited to have Adam Ingersoll here today, who's a founder and principal of Compass Education Group. Compass is a test prep company that I know about that has offices all around the United States. Adam, I don't know the number of students that your, uh, you and your colleagues have worked with, but I'm sure it's in the thousands. Um, I know not just Adam's company, but I know Adam from going years back to when I worked in college admission. And what I know about Adam and his approach to test prep is it's grounded in really sound educational principles, principles that a lot of college counselors like me who really value um, students being successful, not chasing prestige, not chasing um, external rewards, but pursuing education, higher education um, for, uh, for an end in itself to, be, to do their best. And I think that's something that as a philosophy, Adam, you and your test prep colleagues have um, exemplified. So I'm, I'm really happy to have you here today. Um, thanks for coming. Um, and uh, we have a lot of questions about the impact of this pandemic on standardized test prep. Thank you, Stephen, for the kind introduction uh, and hello to your audience. I'm, I'm glad to be here and I, I hope to be helpful. Thanks. So can you, I mean, I think people that are thinking about college admission right now, educators, students, families, I mean, it, there's no mystery that test prep is one of the areas where, or testing, not necessarily prep only, but testing is one of those areas where that's when there's been the most upheaval, you know, but let's say I'm, I just landed in this country and I, or in this planet and I'm not aware of what's going on. I mean, what do you see going on? Is it clear? Obviously it's changing, but are we still, is the pendulum swinging back at any point? Um, where are we right now? The interesting thing, Stephen, is you probably would have prefaced your, your comment about testing just now exactly the same three months ago. Testing was a confusing mess then already, and now it's only, only more so. Um, you have in this country, I think, a very tortured relationship with these tests. And in many ways, they are reviled and, and resented for, for very good reasons. There has been a movement in college admissions dating back to the, to the 1970s, but really catching steam in the last five years uh, with colleges adopting test optional policies right. where they do not require the SAT or ACT of applicants at all. Uh, there's been an enormous surge in colleges uh, at all levels of selectivity and of all types adopting test optional uh, in the last two months right. in light of the, the, uh, the pandemic. But what I would say is that before uh, COVID-19, the rise in test optional policies, fewer and fewer colleges outright requiring the tests, uh, overlap perfectly with a, a surge in the numbers of students who take the tests. So there's this contradictory thing that's been going on for quite some time where the, the tests are less required 
than ever by colleges. More and more colleges give students flexibility, but the tests are more popular than ever with students. And depending on who you ask, the tests are for many applicants, particularly in overrepresented demographics, applying to highly selective schools, test scores have felt more essential than ever, even as tests are not as required. Right. So it's this really interesting contradiction that, uh, that people advising students have to be able to talk about with some nuance to be helpful to students. Right. And I, I mean, that's really, that really confirms something that I've been saying to my students and families well before the last, you know, this pandemic, uh, for the last five, even more years that on one hand, there's these testing becoming less important with the increase in test optional schools. And on the other hand, a real, real, real focus at the highly selective level on scores, score objective data being really important. Um, so it's a, it's a hard one to square, right? Um, when I'm advising students. A simple way to characterize it would be that test optional policies make it easier to apply. They don't necessarily at all, depending on your circumstances, make it easier to be admitted, nor do they at all make it necessarily easy to, to uh, actually matriculate at a college and that you can afford. Right. Um, so these, these are issues that get blended, but uh, test optional in isolation is simply a policy change that may or may not have significant impact depending on uh, uh, who you are and the context you know, around the uh, school. Okay. So let's bring it back to you know, what's happening now with the pandemic. You know, from your perspective, obviously lots of colleges and universities in the United States have come out in the last two months to say, you know, under these circumstances, what will be test optional? And some are saying just for now, some are saying well, we're going to try it out for a couple of years. And some are saying this just tipped the balance. We're just going to, we were thinking about doing it and now we'll just do it permanently um, until further notice. What's your take on that? Are, I haven't really tracked uh, how many are saying it's very temporary. Some are saying it's medium and some are saying it's long-term. Uh, we are tracking that very closely. We are not a disinterested party. Um, you know, I, I'm one of the owners of a test prep company. So this is all, you know, quite, quite relevant. Um, right. And I, I think it's, it's extremely important to not think of this as a binary test required or test optional. Hmm. There's actually a third situation, test blind, which we should get to in, in a moment. Uh, but within the test optional uh, group, there are really important distinctions that students must keep in mind because it would affect how uh, it would affect how readily they um, uh, accept that that policy is sincere and that that policy represents the appropriate choice for them. So here's what here's what I mean. Um, I think it's useful to think about a spectrum. Bates and Bowden test optional since the 1970s. They were the trailblazers. Right. Uh, they they are true believers and uh, they're you know there's no kind of secret agenda there. They they truly don't you know. Right. And a number of other schools have followed suit right along with them, and they have good data back it up, and it's, it's great to see that. Moving along that spectrum, University of Chicago announced a test optional policy change two years ago that they had been planning for years, that they coupled with lots of new merit aid specifically for students for whom that policy was designed to attract, students who were first generation and students who were from lower income backgrounds. So they had this, this complete plan that was uh, intended to be permanent, that would not only uh, attract more students, um, but would enroll them and see them through to graduation. Right. That to me is the gold standard for a highly selective college to, to, to go test optional. On the other extreme, you have colleges that have very recently announced that they're test optional. Uh, 
doing so in part via peer pressure, I think via, you know, compassion as well, but they are in a cohort of colleges where everyone else is doing it. They are committing to it for one year only. They are not saying anything about intention of of finding more funds uh, for students who not only don't have scores, but also, you know, um, don't have 529s. Right. Uh, And so that, 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 uh, to me, is an important consideration. Hmm. Let me show you br- briefly a, a tool that okay. uh, that tracks this, this this carefully. You should be able to sc- see my, my screen now. And I, I'm in the uh, Compass Resource Center and specifically on the college profiles. And what we have here is a tool that tracks for about 400 colleges. And I confess, 400 is only uh, a, a fraction of the total four-year colleges. But those 400 are the ones that are most selective and that tend to be uh, uh, quite popular with students for whom scores matter. Hmm. So I think as, as a, as a you know, quick aside, it's not really terribly relevant to talk about test optional uh, in the context of schools where admission is not at all competitive in the first place, where even if you did submit a score, it wouldn't really matter what that score was. Right. Within the 400 where, where admission is, is competitive, uh, what we are doing is tracking with tests optional, whether it's a permanent change or just a trial. Hmm. So I've sorted now by the column uh, on the far right, uh, TO for tests optional, and three refers to a three-year trial period. So as I scroll here, you can see that uh, many colleges, and you see some, some extremely uh, selective colleges here, have committed to a three-year trial. Uh, a few, a two-year trial, and then quite a few, only one year. Um, Amherst, Bernard, Baylor, BU, Carleton, Claremont McKenna. Uh, the list is quite long of colleges who are saying we are going to adopt tests optional for one year and maybe see how, how this all plays out. So if I am a student and I am deciding whether or not to submit scores with my application, if I'm given that choice, how do I make that choice? I, I would want to be advised on uh, with how much conviction does that college seem to be saying we really don't care about your scores. Right. And historically, it was it was a question of well, if my scores are competitive at that school, I should submit them. Right. And now an additional layer to consider is is this a school that's truly committed to test optional and the bedrock principles behind it. Or is it a temporary measure they're adopting, perhaps perhaps a bit reluctantly? And some of the statements from colleges have been clear that while we are going test optional for a year, we still prefer and expect to receive scores from most applicants. So right. that nuance right. is really critical for students to make the right uh, decisions. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I've been, you know, to, to, to take a step back and look at this from a little bit higher height, uh, the sweeping changes right now for lots of students in their high school where they're not necessarily getting letter grades or the letter grades are quite a bit different, or it's just a simple pass and fail, a pass fail grade um, is looked at on one hand, quite welcome by students and families who are under really different circumstances, as well as these options for test optional, right? It's kind of a, a, a great way to accommodate uh, what the challenges that students are facing right now. But on the other hand, you know, I'm advising students, don't be so fast to just simply say, well, my grades are not important or I don't have to take the test because everybody's test optional. It, it has to be a thoughtful decision. And if if you have if you're applying to selective schools, the numbers still matter. They always will. 
It's such an important point. Test optional policy, when discussed from the college's point of view, focuses on the aggregate. And in the aggregate, the data do tell us that at most schools, the addition of test scores into the application consideration adds little value above and beyond the transcript in terms of predicting first-year college uh, uh, grades. Right. However, you know, in, in the real world, what it really comes down to is students competing narrowly with one another. Uh, and on the margin, if two students look very similar by other measures, that's when test scores can become important. Right. So to your point, the things that do matter a great deal in the admission process uh, have all been compromised by the pandemic. Right. So my critical end of 11th grade grades, some of them have now gone past fail. My AP exams uh, are, are weird this year. We can talk about that. 45 minute at home and what, what do we make of those? The activities that I think really defined my identity and how I would, I would present myself to colleges, those have all been wiped away. Yeah. Um, so in this context, I'll, I'll give you an example. Something that increasingly is thought of as a niche product uh, losing its relevance, subject tests, right. college board subject tests, which uh, not a single U.S. college requires anymore. Right. Ten years ago, about 60 required them. Uh, well, maybe that's a way I could show my you know, proficiency in chemistry as my grade has gone past fail, and as my AP exam in chemistry, I, I couldn't even submit it. I have to do a retake. Right. So again, nuance at the individual student level is, is always what this comes comes back to. Right. I agree with, with with that very much. It has very much to do with an individual decision. And well, I'm curious to hear though, since you bring up subject tests, I think you know people involved in the world of college admission on the counseling side, at least, have been chatting for quite a while. We we see the decline in the number of colleges requiring, recommending, caring much about them. And now you're right, even recently, it's gone from a few to now zero, requiring it all together in the United States. What do you think? Do you think the subject tests are going to go away? Uh, is this it? Or are they going to hang on? Appreciate first that if they go away, that's not in entirely because they should. Hmm. You know, um, we should sometimes has nothing to do with it in college admission and, and policy. So right. if they go away, it's in part because there's so much pressure on colleges to not rely on what has become a niche product that is not as widely accessible and, and understood uh, as, as it ideally would be. So subject tests from a social justice perspective are something that many students would never hear about, right. are, are less available to them. Uh, the really kind of careful advising and academic training you need to do well on them uh, is is you know tied to 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 affluence. So there's many good reasons why, from a policy perspective, subject tests are very problematic. Yeah. Um, however, um, they do play a role in some cases. So I, I'd like to share some context on this, if I may. Okay. So here's what we're talking about when we say subject tests. These used to be called SAT2s. Before that, they were achievement tests. They've been around for decades. And they're each an hour long, and they're offered in different academic areas. So the whole point of subject tests historically is that they're not tied to certain curricula the way AP exams are or, I, or IB exams. So they gave students theoretically broader accessibility to show expertise in a particular academic area. Interestingly, we used to refer to them as sort of mini AP exams. Hmm. In fact, they're now longer than AP exams. They're an hour. <laughs> APs, uh, as of this week, are 45 minutes. And some of the rules about them, uh, they still have a guessing penalty. So they have, they have these idiosyncrasies 
that are, are tricky for students. They have been declining. If we look at the 10-year trend for subject tests, red are the most popular STEM subjects in math and science, blue, the humanities, literature, and the histories, and then orange, the foreign languages. They peaked in popularity, and this is relevant to, to today, uh, about 10 years ago, which was the last year that the UC system in California required them. Right. Since then, they've been declining steadily in terms of number of tests administered and number of test takers. We still, though, estimate that in, in the uh, graduating class of 2020, there are going to be nearly half a million subject tests taken by nearly 200,000 test takers. Hmm. So as a fraction or of uh, total SAT takers, you have about 10% as many students take the subject tests as take the SAT. So mm-hmm. really a fringe product focused on students applying to highly selective schools. Okay. To Stephen's question, are they relevant to a particular student and should you still take them? Well, here's a competitive landscape. Uh, so if you're looking at the highly selective world of, of colleges, here are uh, 50 of those colleges. Uh, the legend is indicating who requires, recommends, or simply considers them. Right. Out of these 50, a decade ago, nearly all of them would have been dark green uh, right. background required. The light green that you see, a whopping seven schools, are all that remain that officially recommend the subject tests. Yeah. The other 43 here have retreated to a, well, we'll consider them if submitted, but they're, tr- they're truly optional uh, position. So this was, was really an earthquake you know, in my world the last 10, 10 years dropping away from them. But here, Stephen, is the context I think you were getting at. Of these 50 schools, they collectively receive nearly 2 million applications. They only admit uh, less than a fifth of those students who apply. Of those who apply, their 75th percentile SAT and ACT scores are near perfect. Hmm. So if I am a student aspiring to one of these colleges where they are still at least willing to consider subject tests from me, I'm not asking what are the minimum requirements. I'm asking what's anything I'm allowed to show to demonstrate my ability on, on any front. And in this context where transcripts have, are going to be fuzzy for current 11th graders, APs are problematic. This is still something that students are doing. We see many students right now who were supposed to take subject tests in May or June are now not able to, but are still intending to in August. So yep. not quite, not quite dead yet. And so will they die entirely? Um, Stephen, I think they will because they're, there's, there's so little um, you know, reward for the college board relative to what it costs to provide them and the right. flack that they receive for requiring them. So I, I think there's a good chance they do go away entirely. But I predicted uh, four years ago they would go away, and yet here they still are. The legend that you had on the previous slide of uh, required, recommended, considered, um, dropped, the, those phrases are, I know are something that drive people like me who advise students bananas, like absolutely drive bananas because the lack of clarity um, makes it anxiety producing for students and families. I mean, sure, a lot of students just pass it right by and say, oh, it's required or it's not required and move right on. But, you know, more and more families who I speak with and students who are investing careful thought into this high stakes decision that they're making, look at this you know, requirements for subject tests and get really frustrated because, you know, it, it's not clear. What, what does that mean if it's considered? But that's a, that's a longer, different subject. 
But wouldn't you agree that that ambiguity applies to uh, a test-optional policy as well for SAT and ACT? Without question. It simply pushes to the student the the requirement that they have to speculate on what would favor them relative to who they're, they're competing against. So Absolutely. to me, it, it takes us back to the fundamental question about, you know, should, should tests be required, should they be optional, or should they be uh, abandoned altogether? And I, I just, it's... It's funny to me that we scheduled this this uh, meeting today as the UC regents are, are right now debating mm-hmm. in a public meeting, it's online, uh, what they will do with, with testing. And I will make a prediction. I, I think that they are going to go all the way to test blind. All right. Let's see if that, let's see how that comes out. That will be an earthquake. That will be an earthquake. That would be, I mean, as the UC system goes, so goes lots of the other parts of the admission world. Um, I'll be really interested to see that too. So Adam, you know, I think we could probably talk for quite a bit longer on um, all the the nuances and the ins and outs and what's happening. And I'm noticing that things are just changing almost daily, certainly weekly. And I'm sure you, I mean, you've got your finger on that pulse even more than I do. Um, you know, are there any kind of final thoughts that you have to share with with, with uh, the type of student and family that I'm talking to right now, and I'm sure you're talking to, which is the student who's coming up the pipeline, maybe a junior in high school, maybe a little earlier, uh, looking to start their, their earnest um, application process to college, and they're really, really worried. They just see all these changes, and they see canceled test dates, and they see confusing policies or changing policies coming out. Not to mention the college costs and the economy and all this, you know, from a really, really thoughtful and experienced test prep perspective, you know, what, what would you, what are your words of wisdom for that kind of student and family? I think for families, admission to college is not going to be your greatest concern, your greatest challenge. If you are a student who um, in six months is willing to submit an application to college and especially one that is early decision saying, if you admit me, I will come and I will find a way to pay for it. Um, the world is your oyster as much as it ever was. Hmm. You know, you, you supply versus demand is going to ultimately be working in your favor. Right. Testing will continue to be extremely confusing. You'll have more flexibility than ever before with how you navigate testing. But with that flexibility comes a lot of confusion as you try to arrive at the best plan for you. Right. And I would say when you are making decisions about testing, give yourself grace and, and accept that there's no wrong response to coping with college admission testing during, during a pandemic. And the, the spectrum we see are students who and families, parents who are saying, pedal to the metal, we're going to be as intense around testing as, as we would have been. If anything, we have more time and flexibility now to really attack the, these tests. Right. And the other spectrum would be a family who says, are you kidding me? With all we're going through as a family and as a student, I need to just indefinitely defer this. I will come back to it if and when some of the clouds clear, or maybe right. I'll let it go entirely and focus on tests optional. And any response within that spread um, is reasonable depending on your, your circumstances. And, you know, I'm having those exact conversations on the same day with different students. Uh, Some were just kicking it by the wayside and saying, let's just take a huge pause on your test prep and your testing plan. And, you know, because individually, that's what seems to make sense for that student. And others are putting the pedal to the metal, as you said, and just doubling down and taking more for exactly some of the reasons we've talked about today. Hey, Adam Ingersoll from Compass Education Group. Thank you very, very much. This has really been great. Um, I'd love to have you back 
uh, maybe when things change a little bit more and see where we are. I would love to be back if, if that means we're beyond this. So sounds great. All right. Let's count on it. Thanks, Adam.